You are listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. For today's episode, I had the opportunity to interview two guests, Jay Watson and Kyle Wiltshire. Jay and Kyle are the authors of the novel The Dead Rock Stars. I'm here with Jay Watson and Kyle Wiltshire, who are the authors of the uh, alternate uh, uh, reality uh, uh, book, The Dead Rock Stars. Jay and Kyle, welcome to the Hartman Author Podcast. Thanks for having us. We're really excited, man. Thank you for having us. I'll start with Jay. Feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, my name is Jay Watson. Uh, I uh, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. And since I was about, I don't know, born, I guess, uh, I kind of was in love with Elvis Presley. And so that's been a big part of uh, my life. Uh, and I've, uh, I've actually impersonated Elvis before. <laughs> and uh, I uh, just uh, love everything about this book and this universe we've created. And Kyle and I, uh, we've uh, we've been very close, best friends since what, Kyle? 1996. Six. Yeah, 1996. Kyle, feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Thanks, man. I'm Kyle Wiltshire. I live outside of Nashville as well. I'm not a lifelong uh, resident like like Jay. Um, I'm a transplant, but uh, yeah, Jay and I met in college. Um, we love we honestly we love movies. And that had led us to constantly be talking about stories. And eventually we just decided, you know what, we can do this ourselves. Let's, let's, let's tell our own story. So that's sort of been our, uh, our history, but yeah, we've, we've got nearly 30 years of friendship where we just enjoy, um, enjoy stories and, and hanging out and yeah, that's our deal. Now, either or both can, uh, Ask, answer this question without spoiling too much of the dead rock stars what is that book about and uh, whoever answers the question the other can read a little uh, short snippet of the book uh if that's okay sure yeah um the dead rock stars is is kind of a uh alternate history sort of as if you know this is this is what was really happening story um but the bottom line is is Aaron imagine if many of your favorite rock stars who tragically died too soon for for many tragic reasons what if they didn't die what if they faked their deaths and they joined a secret society to become secret agents and they've actually been protecting and saving the world uh for over 150 years uh as it and, would be and our our story picks up in 1999 and the DRS has been saving the world behind the scenes but there's a new threat that has showed up in the world that they don't quite understand and so uh they uh recruit a tech star someone who's familiar with technology to help stop this impending doom that is going to happen at the end of 1999 Okay, now can either of you read like a like a short snippet of the of the book? Yeah, we'd love to. If it's okay with you, Aaron, we're gonna well, go take right turns. Ahead. We're gonna read little little pieces. This is a, just a little bit out of chapter one, and we'll we'll take turns on paragraphs. So uh, you guys will get to hear from both of us if that's okay. Okay. Here we go. 
It was just another Saturday night in Las Vegas. All indications were that no one saw anything unusual. Certainly, no one seemed surprised to see the real Buddy Holly dashing through the casino or the real Elvis Presley giving an impromptu concert. Buddy's voice crackled in Elvis's airpiece. King, the tracker, it stopped. Room 2834. I'm moving in to set up surveillance. As security closed in on him, Elvis charmed the guards into letting him finish his mini concert slash distraction routine, ironically, with Heartbreak Hotel. As he strummed the final chord, he struck a pose and bowed quickly, sweat dripping from his face. He still got it, screeched an older woman to her girlfriends at the front of the crowd. They wanted to believe. Elvis wiped the sweat from his face and threw the hanky to the adoring gals. Then he grabbed the guitar case and headed for the public elevators. The older women fought for the hanky like it was 1968 again. As the elevator doors closed, Elvis reached into the guitar case, pulled out a jar of Lover's Moon pomade. He slicked his hair back with a comb and then smeared the security camera with the remnants. Elvis has left the building, he reported to headquarters. King, we've got a problem, Janice said in his right ear. I've lost communication with Buddy. He's in room 2834. Now, nothing. Elvis reached inside his jumpsuit and pulled out a pair of earphones. Attached to his belt was an MP3 player, a state-of-the-art personal jukebox, bedazzled in the same ornamentation as his gold Aztec-encrusted belt, which also matched his cape. He put one earphone in his left ear away from comms and pressed play on the MP3 player. 28 floors gave him just enough time to get to the chorus. He rolled his neck, heard a few pops, then started to get loose. It's time to get loco, Elvis said aloud. The elevator doors opened. Two men with earpieces and weapons holstered under their jackets were waiting. They looked at Elvis. Elvis looked at them and held a finger in the air, motioning for them to wait a moment. Then, right on cue, the king dropped into a karate stance and began belting out the chorus to Ricky Martin's Livin' La Vida Loca. With lightning-quick combination, Elvis had kicked one guy across the hall, and another one lay motionless with a snapped neck. He strutted down the hallway, singing and thinking to himself, Man, I love this song. He kicked the door to room 2834 open, and it flew open as if it had been blown off its hinges. Elvis looked down and saw a pool of blood and a pair of cracked horn-rimmed glasses. He, jumped, he grabbed the lamp off the table and used it to bash one oncoming attacker's head, then used the cord to strangle the next opponent. Langston, the man in crushed green velvet, jumped behind the wet bar where Elvis spotted a black and white photograph of his face in Younger's ears. Looking around, he realized he was standing in the Elvis Presley suite. This was not an accident. Someone knew who he was, who they were, and someone was sending a message. That is amazing. Thank you. And I will I'll go to Jay here with this question. How can you and Kyle get away with writing a work of fiction involving uh, individuals who are real life famous people? Man, that's a great question. We've we spent lots of time talking about that. And uh, uh, honestly, Quentin Tarantino ha helped us a little bit with that. We watched a movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's this uh, alternate universe where, um, you know, uh, Charles Manson's followers are actually in the film. And there's this whole thing that happens. And and it, it kind of caused us to wonder a little bit how he did that and how it works, because there are famous people that were in the movie. And uh, Bruce Lee was even in the movie. And we're like, how do you do that? How does that work? 
And we started reading up and we realized that if a person has passed away, um, then um, when it comes to fiction, we can really do whatever we want. Uh, furthermore, when it comes to fiction, there are a lot of authors that have uh, uh, told alternate uh, universe histories of, um, you know, Barack Obama and Joe Biden when they were in office. They, they, there's a book that was out that was they were crime fighters. And so uh, that kind of inspired us to go, OK, well, I mean, I guess it is fiction. And as long as we don't um, dabble in their lyrics or anything i don't know what it's called if it's ip or something like that kyle but as long as yeah. we don't dabble in um uh, recorded work um we can use their likeness and we can use the the person and we can tell a, a alternate uh story and it's, it's important to us and kyle i don't know if you want to speak to this but um our interest is not in um exploiting these rock stars but actually celebrating them and kind of giving them a another chance yeah, I would I would say that's a big part of it is 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 helping them sort of live on beyond you know many of the people you, you heard from the, the the reading you know a few of the people that that are in there Elvis Presley Buddy Holly Janis Joplin or just three to name a few you know a lot of them died really tragically some of them died by their own uh, demons addiction or you know um, life uh, just the struggles of life whatever and fame and so it's really cool to sort of you know, give these guys kind of a, and gals a redemption arc, so to speak, in, in many ways. I'll, I'll stick with Kyle here. How is the dead rock stars more like a, a feature length uh, motion picture than a typical novel? That's a great question, Aaron. And and truly, we wrote a book because we didn't know how to write a movie. Um, <laughs> we kind of figured that route might be a little bit easier because uh, we've read a whole lot more books than we've read uh, movie scripts. You know, and so uh, it really is cinematic, though. You know, we looked at a lot of the the stories and the books that um, have been well adapted into into film. You know, the Harry Potter series, the Hunger Games you know, and when we read those books, we we looked at it and went, man, they really, they really flow. They, they, they paint a, a visual picture that's very cinematic. And so we tried to do the same thing. And this is our, our first, our first book uh, that, that others have ever written in, in fiction. And uh, so it's, you know, it was, it was our great desire to, to, to help this feel as if it were a movie. So when you're reading it, you feel like you're, you know, in a, in a theater chair and, and looking at a silver screen, uh, and watching these things kind of unfold before your very eyes. Uh, I'll go to Jay now uh, with this one, although Kyle can uh, comment as well. What is it like writing a story together? It's actually a lot of fun. We expected and were kind of prepared for some speed bumps as far as just, you know, if someone really loves something they've written and the other person's like, mm, that's not it. Uh, that could cause problems. And and what we learned pretty quickly was it was actually a lot better to do something like this together. Uh, Kyle and I have been friends for such a long time that we kind of understand each other and we have mutual respect. So we were able to, in kindness, be able to, to talk about things that maybe we thought could be better or a different way. And when we started, we were real delicate towards the end. It was much more uh, like a, you know, a very healthy, long-term working relationship where you're just like, hey, man, I don't like that. And he's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Or he'd say, hey, we can't do that. And we would have good discussions, but but Kyle's brain does a really good job with the overarching narrative, consistent themes. I like funny. I like dialogue. I like action. And so 
Kyle was able to kind of protect the narrative, make sure there were no holes in our plot. And I was able to use my gifts. And then we kind of took turns a little bit. Uh, you know, Kyle got to write some stuff that he loved and got to dip his toe in some action. And as we got more comfortable, our chapters really didn't, didn't start with, okay, it started with it's where it started was Jay writes a chapter. Kyle writes a chapter where it kind of ended was a lot of us, either of us, we don't really know who wrote what in some of our chapters because we spent so much time working on it together and working on the sentences and making sure that everything made sense, that our fingerprints are just about on every line uh, together. And so it worked out really great where, you know, for us, um, our collective minds are much better than, than us alone. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I, I say, you know, the way we're both wired is is different and in many ways opposite and so the things that jay is really strong at really good at i'm not as strong at but the areas where i'm really strong jay's maybe not as strong there so we really you know two heads are better than one in a lot of ways but at the same time you know we're both creative we both have have um you know passion and vision and so it it took a, a great deal of um you know ability to compromise and a willingness to compromise and to and to decide that the story or the narrative is king, not, not my desire, not his desire, you know, trying to create the the best story that we could create and, and make it as, as, you know, as awesome as it could be. That's, that's the goal. And so that puts us in the back seat and puts that in the front seat. And it's much easier to, to compromise when you, when you talk together and you think about something and you go, you know what, you're right about that. We do need to cut that. Or we do need to shape that story arc this way, or we do need to add this element in, or we do need to take this out, whatever it is, when we're working together to, you know, to, to what, what makes the story best is where we, where we need to go. So it, it's, it's easiest when, when that's your goal. And, and then that's a clear, that's a clear mission statement for both of us. Uh, I'm not sure who would be better equipped to answer this question, but how complex was it to world build for uh, y'all's book together. I mean, what's cool, and I'll, I'll kind of you know start, and Jay, if you want to add anything to this, sure. yeah. When we when we got started with the writing process, we knew maybe four or five tent poles. These are things where we want to take the story. These are elements that we want to involve the story, and we kind of knew where we wanted to end the story, as well as how we wanted to start the story. So, to some degree. We knew the setting, 1999. We knew that, you know, we lived through those years. So we know what the world was like. We remember the technology. We remember the the pop cultural um, moment of, of, of that time. And so a lot of it in world building was just recollection, just remembering. And of course, we did a whole lot of, of research online, especially when it came to, you know, the rock stars and the people that are, that are featured in the book. Yeah, I think too... Um... When it comes to world building, you get to ask yourself a couple of questions. For our story, we wanted rock stars that had passed away to now, in some cases for us, almost 20 years, some just four or five years, um, to still be alive You know, at a later date. And, and so that's one part of this. Okay, if Elvis was 40 when he passed away, he's about 60 in this story. If, if Kurt Cobain was this age, he's just a few years older in 1999. So um, what, did, what would they be like would be question number one. Then the second thing would be like, okay. What kind of skills does a secret agent need to be able to save the world? Then the third question is, okay, these guys are rock stars. Like they are used to a certain way of living. 
So their headquarters, their transportation, the things they do and the way they do it are going to be different than a typical secret agent. And so that's kind of where we started with the world building. And then you go, okay, what would a headquarters be like? And we got to spend time doing that. We got to spend time talking about how do these super famous uh, world famous rock stars be able to blend into the to the world without being seen and noticed and so for us is really one of the places where the inspiration came from and it, i don't know if you're old enough aaron or if you've seen a, a national Enquirer at the uh grocery store but uh elvis presley gets cited all the time tupac is still in the news today he gets ex- he gets cited at, at islands and different places and so that myth that lore already exists in our culture we were able to take that and world build around it, and it created just a really fun place to exist. Now, Jay, I'm going to stick with you, but I'm going to ask Kyle the same question afterwards. What are your top three favorite movies? Top three favorite movies. Okay. Um, number two for me would be uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Man, I love that film. I love uh, when... Uh, I love when Gandalf comes over the hill towards the end at the giant battle sequence. It's one of my favorite things to watch. My number one movie is uh, the Shawshank Redemption. I I love the moments of hope that get communicated in that story. Um, I think I say it's time to get busy living or get busy dying at least once a month. Uh, I just love everything about that movie. Um, a drama that Stephen King wrote that uh, is just beautiful. Frank Darabout kind of nailed it with the direction on that one. And my third movie kind of alternates. I was going to I was going to say uh Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, but uh I'm I'm not sure on that one. That's kind of changed a little bit uh back and forth, but I I think I'm I think I'm going to stick to uh, I'm going to go with Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is my favorite just from a nostalgia purpose. Seeing those little Ewoks when I was that age was amazing. So, I'm going to go with Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi for for my number 3. Uh, Kyle same question. What are your top three favorite movies? That is such a hard question. It it revolves and changes all the time. I'll say this broadly, man, I love Star Wars. Star Wars has meant so much to me in my life. I am obviously, you know, the the, the generation that I was born into, the original trilogy, four, five, and six, those are those are my favorite. But I won't take the easy road and say Star Wars, New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi are my three favorite movies, though it's probably true. Um, uh, of my favorite, I'm kind of surprised you said Return of the Jedi, Jay, because that truly is my favorite movie of all time. And the reason being is I love completion. I love the the when a story all comes together. And uh, man, you know, Luke in the Emperor's throne room, throwing his lightsaber away, you know, no, you're not going to turn me, you know, gosh, that gets me every time. And then Vader makes the decision to lift, lift up the Emperor over his head and throw him down the, you know, the, the shaft. Oh man, that just, that does it for me. It's crazy to think, Kyle, Return of the Jedi, everyone thinks that Han Solo is dead and he comes back to life and he helps save the day. So, I mean, it's kind of how we wrote the book, right? That's our story in many ways. That's our story in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> this would not be a top three all time, but right now, one of the movies that I enjoy the most, if I'm flipping through the channels or I'm you know, on Netflix or wherever I see it pop up, I'm going to watch it for a minute or the whole thing. And I just, it's, it's perfect in every way. It's Top Gun Maverick. They nailed it. That's the first time I can ever remember a movie 30 years apart from the original and it's better. It's not just good. It's better than the original. It's so good. I love that movie. 
they nailed every every part of it the emotional the action the uh, you know the story all of it um tom cruise is kind of on a roll right now aaron have you seen the new um mission impossible movie no uh i have watched the tom cruise movie before but it was days of thunder which where he played the race car driver cole trickle yeah no that's a good one uh the newest uh dead reckoning the mission impossible dead reckoning kyle talked about that to me for months he was like you got to see it it's great i've always wanted to write a uh a car chase that that was ridiculous and just didn't go well and just crashes and Kyle was like, "Sorry, buddy, they've already done it. It's dead reckoning." And uh, you were right, man. That that movie is terrific. Tom yeah. Cruise is on a roll. All right, what's 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 your number one, man? Well, we're trying to guys number one. Okay, oh, man. Uh, you know, there's there's so many, and again, just because of the completionist, you know. It's like it's like let's let's put this one in the Louvre because it never got better than this. But Avengers Endgame, how can you top it? When man, when they are in when they are in the battle at the end and the portals open up and everybody comes through, Josh, it's so good. Uh, so yeah, I love the completion. I love when a story is when it all comes together yeah. and when it comes together well. So yeah. yeah, I would say those are three for me right now. Okay, I've watched a lot of sports themed movies. Uh, I would probably say Hoosiers is probably my favorite movie. Days of Thunder would be a close second, but I also do like uh, action slash thriller movies. And uh, the uh, ninth, it was sometimes I think it's like a nineteen ninety four movie, Speed. That was where there was an L.A. bus that had a mm. a bomb strapped to it, and the bus had to keep going at least a certain speed, or the bomb would explode great one uh, it was amazing how they could keep such a simple uh plot uh going as a thriller for a full-length feature everybody awesome. remembers everybody remembers keanu reeves and sandra bullock but dennis hopper man he he he, he was good in that film i'm trying to think about a, a catchphrase or something from days of thunder and it's not maybe kyle you can help me but i know hoosiers the famous line is dentine that was a great right. that was a great part of that movie for me what flavor gum is he chewing? You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, man, I, I can't remember anything from Days of Thunder. Yeah, well, I'm gonna. Oh, have to I want to say shake and bake, one. but that's Ricky Bobby, right? That's the Italian night. Hey, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> uh hit the pace car was a, a Days of Thunder line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you hit everything else on the track or something like that. <laughs> I love how old that movie is that when they get out of the cars, they've been wearing their goggles, but all you see is the oil all around their faces. It's like, you know, it's just before the technology got really awesome in NASCAR. So it's still sort of this, you know, rustic, you know, looking racing experience. I have one final question. This will go to both of you. If uh, the dead rock stars uh, had a movie adaptation, who would play the different roles? I we've, think we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, this uh, is a good question. Kyle, I think we what do we land on Jimi Hendrix? Do we do we do we say Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx is so musical, he'd be so good. I don't know if he plays yeah. guitar, but I'm sure he could. He's yeah. he could do anything. Yeah. Uh for for Jim Morrison, we had an interesting take on Jim Morrison. Kyle, you want to talk about that? Sure. So one of the ideas we had when we were writing the book is so many of these people, because their stories are so legendary they've already had biopics they've already made movies of these people and so of course 
the legendary movie The Doors, you know, Jim Morrison's played by Val Kilmer. And Val, of course, uh, had cancer of the throat. And so he doesn't speak very well anymore. And so we wanted to give, you know, if this became a movie, our dreams came true and this became a movie, you know, we want to let Val play Jim Morrison again because he nailed it the first time. He can do it the second time. But in our story, Jim Morrison doesn't speak. He take, he's taken a vow of silence. So Jim Morrison will be played by Val Kilmer for sure. That's absolutely, absolutely got to happen. We've gone round and round on Elvis. Uh, one of the things that we talked about was Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, one of Kurt Russell's first films that he ever did was a TV movie, I think, and he played Elvis. And so we thought that would be pretty fun to see Kurt Russell being uh, the sixty-year-old Elvis. Thought that would be pretty good. And I think I talked a little bit about George Clooney lately, thinking he'd be a pretty fun Elvis. Yeah, Clooney'd be good. And also, uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. would be so good, just because if, if you give that man an opportunity when he's not playing Iron Man, all he wants to do is voices. You know, is the British voice or, a, you know, or Tropic Thunder, you know, the role he played there was just a bunch of different voices, like two or three different voices he had to do in that movie. You know, so he he loves doing voices. It's just kind of a, a hidden secret. Um, so, yeah, let that guy play Elvis. He'd kill it. He'd knock it out of the park. What did we decide for Cole? We, 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 we created a character for this this book named Cole Denton. And Cole is the 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 protagonist in the story. And he's kind of the fresh eyes that get to go into this universe and kind of see everything for the first time. And it's kind of our, our eyes into the story. Uh, in our story, I think he's uh 21, 22. He's, uh, he's started a, uh, a, the, one of the world's first dating websites and, uh, it's been very successful. He's a tech star. And, uh, I think he's just, uh, he's, he's, I don't know if he graduates MIT or he's about to, but, uh, that's kind of where he is. And who do we say was going to be him? Was it Jesse Eisenberg? Do we say that? Or what, what do we say? He's too old. Someone yeah. like Jesse Eisenberg, though. I think the beauty of that would be he'd need to be an unknown. So have all these legendary actors around him and let the the star of the movie be actually be this, you know, this unknown guy, just like Cole is this unknown guy in the in the world. Or Chalamet. <laughs> or Chalamet. Yeah, he could do anything as well. Yeah, yeah. he's so good. Jay and Kyle, you two were amazing guests, and I thank you both for appearing on the heartland author podcast aaron we had a great time man thank you for having us yeah thank you for having us we we look we really look forward to this and we're, we're glad to have been able to do it jay and kyle were fascinating guests to interview while i have an opportunity i'll provide an update on the planned rebranding of this podcast i have recorded the final interview for the Heartland Author Podcast under that name, and I will be uploading the remaining episodes of the Heartland Author Podcast between now and December 22nd. On New Year's Day after the Rose Parade, the name of this podcast will officially change to Apollo Papyrus, and the first episode under the Apollo Papyrus name will, unless otherwise announced, be uploaded on January 22nd. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now. You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Facebook at author AAC and on Instagram at AAC Scribe. Copyright 2023, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. 
royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.